0: In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I'm shocked because I was told there would only be ten people here today. <laughs> Congratulations, those of you that made it in spite of the, I guess it's a mini-marathon. Andrew had no idea what he was getting in for when he accepted that invitation to come and see where the rabbi was staying. Well, this is a holiday weekend. It's the Martin Luther King Day weekend. And I don't know if I lost touch or what, but it seems like it used to be a a day tomorrow, the Monday holiday, was a day of many, many activities that helped people. There were a lot of little projects going, or El San Antonio is different from Austin. I don't know, but I couldn't find that when I looked for it here in Austin. But in any case, whether there are projects that you can help with and join in on tomorrow or not, certainly working for justice or working to prevent injustice or ameliorate injustice comes to mind on this weekend of the year. And at the same time, this is the second Sunday of the season of Epiphany where we focus on God made manifest among us, God revealed in the world through God's Son, Jesus Christ. And when Lane told me, or asked me to preach today, he told me we would be using the second epiphany readings, but if I wanted to go with Martin Luther King, I could, and I saw that as a choice. But thanks to a lot of Richard Rohr blogs that I, re- I read, excuse me, uh, where he does not go for it, what is he? No choices. He, he preaches against dualistic thinking, uh, which is yes or no, or good or bad, or either or. He, he says unitive. Everything is unitive. I thought I could do both. <laughs> I could use these lessons and speak about justice. But I want to speak about it in a different way, and I'm not quite sure how that came to me, but I'm going to blame it on the doctor Steve Tomlinson, professor of I always get this wrong, professor of leadership and administration at Seminary of the Southwest, because I heard him speak Monday at the Monday Connection. And I think he said that kingdom living is synonymous with justice. But if he didn't, he said something that made me think of that, so if he needs credit, he's got it, and if he doesn't, it's fine. I think of him as the professor of money, because He is an advisor to Wall Street executives, and he's been an actor, and he always talks about money, always, and he did on Monday also. He told us, and I think I've heard this before, he told us that Jesus talks more about money than he talks about anything else except the kingdom of God, and so I thought about those disciples today in the gospel reading, leaving their first leader, who was John the Baptist, to follow Jesus and have their lives changed forever. They didn't have a clue what they were doing. They would learn that obeying the law, the Torah, the way they were accustomed to would not be good enough for Jesus and then eventually not good enough for them either. And I thought how even though Andrew told his brother Simon, I have found the Messiah, with all the connotations of a military conqueror who would free them from Rome, Jesus would do all of his work as if Romans didn't even exist. And because of the Healthy Congregations workshop that many of us, 154 of us, spend a day and a half at this weekend, I now know that Jesus could do that could ignore the Romans and do the work he was called to do because he was fully differentiated. <laughs> if you have heard that phrase before and not known it, it, is, it has to do with knowing who you are and whose you are. We are all God's children. And it has to do with acting out of your fully, deeply held beliefs and convictions. And not being influenced by the person who says, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? There are 5,000 people here and we don't have enough to feed them. You remember that? Mm -hmm. Jesus didn't go, oh my gosh, I don't know. Oh my gosh, what are we going to do? He didn't do that at all. He said, tell the people to sit down. And then he took care of it. He was fully differentiated and he did not take on the anxiety of the people around him when they were anxious. And so Jesus never gives the Romans a second glance, even though so many first century Jews were hoping, hoping, hoping to be delivered from the oppression of Rome. And it was bad. It's not like they were just next door neighbors. It was tough. You had to feed all that army. And you were subject to arrest and execution if you even hinted that you might want them gone. But Jesus didn't worry about that. No. Jesus simply did his work of healing all kinds of people, of teaching a peaceful, more serene way of living, of encouraging those uh, others, of encouraging those with way more than they needed to share it with others and forgiving sins. He probably did other things, but those are the ones that I've come up with right now. Jesus showed his followers how to be just, how to do kingdom living without any need for getting rid of the Romans. I think if he had lived a few more years, Roman soldiers would have become followers of Jesus. Rome might have toppled just by that. So if the kingdom of God is a just kingdom and we want to be part of that kingdom a kingdom uh, that honors all people, treats all people well, this weekend might be a weekend to look at that because this weekend honors a man who sought to establish justice by shining the light of Christ into a dark area where injustice happened routinely. So where might we look for examples? Because the school teacher in me thinks that examples help people understand. And guess what? I thought All Saints would be a great place to start. Here's a story. Once upon a time, there was a lonely UT professor who was bored with his job and stagnant in his spiritual life. He walked by All Saints Saints many times on his way to work, and one day he came to worship. He sat right about where Lila is sitting, in a pew all by himself, alone, Eventually, he attended the lectionary group, and at the ministry's fair, he was encouraged to sign up to be a lector or a chalice bearer, but he told me, oh, I know how that goes. You've got to be a third or fourth generation member here before they'll ever let you be a chalice bearer. He did. That's exactly what he told me. And then to his great delight, a few weeks later, he was called and asked to be a chalice bearer. If you are thinking, oh, that doesn't sound much like kingdom living, just keep going with me. One day, another member of All Saints had a dinner at the Baptist Church, University Baptist Church, on a Sunday afternoon for street youth at the Street Youth Drop-In Center. And in the blue sheet was an announcement that people were needed to serve. And this lonely UT professor, who was now a chalice bearer, accepted that invitation and showed up. And here is the kingdom living. He didn't show up just once. He was awkward that first time. He didn't know anybody except the woman who invited him to put food on plates. But he went back the following week and the week after that and the week after that. And then one Sunday, he knew a few names and could greet the kids by name. And they knew his name and they greeted him by name. And because he walked from his residence to UT a lot, and was on Guadalupe a lot, he began to see kids he knew on Guadalupe. And he could call them by name. He could call them either by their real name or their street name, because a lot of the kids have two names. At first, he would give them money if they asked. But he learned without anybody lecturing him, that's not a good idea, that just is not a good idea. He learned all by himself, that that interfered with relationships and what he found he wanted was relationships with these kids and most of you many of you know him he is the reverend deacon jim inlow who works now at on Tuesdays at Loaves and fishes but is the deacon at st george for him kingdom living began right here at all saints With an invitation to serve at a sunday dinner and the woman who signed up all saints to serve that dinner once a month at the street youth drop-in center and who snagged jim into serving and also changed his life forever that woman she just likes to feed people she'll tell you that i just like to feed people she feeds her friends she feeds kids she feeds neighbors she feeds homeless kids And that led her to a desire to teach homeless girls how to cook. And those homeless girls taught her because they said, why don't we cook something on Fridays because there's a meal for homeless people every day of the week except Fridays. And you probably know where this went. It went to home-cooked Fridays. And I want to be honest, I don't want you to think this was just, oh, God told me to do it and I did it and everything worked out perfectly. It did not. It was full of ups and downs and twists and stops. The kitchen needed to be remodeled, and that that didn't make everybody happy. There was a lot of ups and downs, but she persevered, and now we have Home Cook Fridays, where some of you are involved, and over a hundred people are served food in a lovely setting every single week. And that is Kingdom Living, because on Friday everyone is invited to that meal. Everyone, you too. And then there's an all-saints couple, they're both now dead, who were living in England when they learned about hospice many years ago when hospice was brand new. And when I took them communion early in my ministry here, they talked about their work as hospice volunteers and their faces, both of their faces, just glowed as they remembered. They couldn't do it anymore, but they remembered the privilege of that. They never got over the sense of being in God's presence as they sat with dying people. They were in the kingdom with the dying when they volunteered at hospice. Another couple played their instruments for a young <laughs> makes me cry. They played their instruments for a young woman at St. David's Medical Center who had a brain aneurysm and was unconscious and partly paralyzed. I was an on-call chaplain then; I was a seminarian. And this young woman was paralyzed and I don't even remember how they found out about it, but they said, Cynthia, can we come and play for her? And Bert and Megan played for this desperately ill young woman, but the whole ICU was in the kingdom, when they played, even though the door was closed, that music soaked the whole unit. Nobody was excluded from that flute and violin playing. And recently, you might have been here when our choir gave a performance to benefit a fellow choir member who was going through expensive cancer treatment. And while the funds that were raised from those donations went specifically to that, The music was offered to everybody. It filled everybody. Anybody who walked by could have come in and been lifted up into the kingdom by that. And I believe that any profession, I may be wrong, you may be able to prove me wrong, but I believe that any profession can also be kingdom living. I believe if a profession is done with integrity, and courage and self-differentiation that it can bring grace and peace to all the people at the workplace. I know that teaching can. I've witnessed that and my dad used to complain about all the bad teachers because of the news, I don't know, failing test scores and so forth, but I'm telling you I, I taught for 27 years and I never ever had a colleague that sat with his feet on the desk, ever. They were all engaged. They all loved kids. They all wanted those kids to be the best they could be. And the kids got better, not just by what they learned, but by being cared for. And it didn't show up in a day. Sometimes it didn't show up in the teacher's life at all. They just had to trust that down the road it would show up. Well, I have just shown the tip of the iceberg. I have probably left out tons of kingdom living that's going on. And if you're looking at me and thinking you didn't say me, I am so sorry. (laughs) You can tell me, uh, and I'll make a correction someday. Um, But I I can't take 20 hours either. I have to just tell you in a short time. There is kingdom living all around us, all around. And I believe that God calls every single person Nobody's excluded from a call to kingdom living. And I think that every person can discern his or her calling by paying attention and by asking God to show me what can I do. Kelly simply enjoyed feeding people and and cooking. And in time and with lots of effort, she began a program that includes many of you and serves over 100 people every week. And Jim simply accepted an invitation in the blue sheet, for crying out loud, you know, in the blue sheet, to serve a meal to homeless kids. And his life was changed forever. If you knew him before and after, you know that's true. And now he is a loving presence under I-35, just north of us. You can see him there any day of the week. Bert and Megan love to play music. They love it. And so they offered their music to a very sick woman at St. David's and in the process ministered to many, many people on that floor. And the Crumps, those were the ones, some of you might remember them, those are the ones who had their life changed by working in, in hospice. Well, they are now among the people they ministered to. And so what might you do? Might there be an entry into kingdom living for you? There is. I'm telling you right now, there is. Might what you do, might what you enjoy doing benefit the kingdom? Maybe. Maybe it's working with God's critters. Maybe it's working with rescue animals. I bet we have people here who would love to read to children who simply needs someone kind to sit next to them and share share stories. I bet some of you would be willing or happy, would enjoy listening to a child who struggles with reading, to read to you. And by listening and by being present, you would give that child a taste of the kingdom of God. What might you want to try? Maybe tomorrow, on Martin Luther King Day, we might, every one of us, ask God, what would you have me do to further the kingdom of God? But if you do that, you will do what Lane talked about last week. You will complete the circuit. You will be like one of those birds sitting on the wire with the power of the world flowing through you. And you've better hang on to your seat. Because you just might be catapulted into a new way of living that you never dreamed of. And it can happen to young and old. You never know. You just might be blasted out of your old way of living and into a new life. And you just might wish that you had thought of it a lot sooner.